After last year's scary adventure, Gabe's a little nervous about being back in Egypt, back near the ancient pyramids, back where he saw all those creepy mummies. Then he learns about an Egyptian superstition, a secret chant that is supposed to bring mummies to life. Gabe's uncle says it's just a hoax, but now it sounds like something's moving in the mummy's tomb. No way a couple of dumb words can wake the dead. Can they? Return of the Mummy is this week's story on the Goose Down. Welcome back to most and welcome to the first time for some to the goose down. Uh, my name is Cameron Hawkins. I am the host of the South Congress podcast, producer of the South Congress podcast network and a regular contributor to the pro wrestling torch. So the goose down the show where I review each and every one of R.L. Stein's classic goosebump series. This would be episode 23. Uh, Return of the Mummy is a sequel to an earlier story um, in the series, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. So this is, I want to say, the third sequel, you know, in 23 books. This is probably the closest to like a direct continuation um, to anything that we've done, you know, so far. Um, I want to first start by saying thank you for everybody understanding that we took a week off. Um, you know, doing video for the mainline show is very time consuming and resource consuming. So every once in a while, like something has to fall by the wayside, wanted to make sure that that video got done and that we were able to produce the Demon Dust podcast uh, hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan, the other two thirds of our team at the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast cast. And also, Where's the, I'm sorry, what's the fun in that? It kills me every time. I'm our new show hosted by my man Quincy uh, discussing video game culture. So, again, you want to make sure that everybody on the team eats. And sometimes that means the things you do have to take a back burner. But there was no way we were going to miss an episode of The Goose Down Halloween week. So, um, let's set the stage. Again, being a direct sequel to Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Our protagonist is once again Gabe, um, who is visiting his uncle, Ben, who is, um, you know, an archaeologist, and his cousin, Sari, who he's like a month older than, who he's always in direct competition with. And Sari's one of the characters that I think R.L. Stein does a great job of fleshing out her motivation. So, you know, her mother died when she was around five, 
and you know her dad being this world traveling archaeologist she spends all of her time in chicago um where i guess is their you know home base of operations but you know he's always traveling abroad so she spends all of her time like there in a way at boarding school so she always has this like inherent competition in her which they cover all throughout the story she always rubs it in uh, her cousin's face that she eats the most that she's the fastest that she's like an inch taller that she makes better grades and i think that really comes from like a lack of contact with her family and always having a need to feel like she's producing like you have this dad who travels the world but isn't really around to always celebrate your accomplishments and so i think she tries to make up for that by being the best at everything so that it has to be acknowledged but the relationship between her and gabe like they really do like each other so it's not antagonistic she is just competitive in every aspect of everything that they do so kind of the thing that throws me about the story is that sorry and Ben and Gabe like all had their lives threatened. Like they all saw like actual mummies come to life and like carry a guy away to his death. Like they experienced these things and they almost completely ignore like how heavy of a situation that was in this book. And so it's weird for, you know, kids who would normally be like super traumatized by something like this or at least overly cautious after something like this happens to them. No, they just kind of go about it like there's they're still scared of things, but almost in like the very normal sense of like it's the first time dealing with this is kind of how they address it. And this story does spend a lot less time exploring um, the actual pyramids and tombs and when i say exploring i don't mean rl sign explaining it like the physical exploration that was done by the characters in the first one this is much more about people and motivations and more than a professional danger it's really interesting how they frame it this story is noticeably shorter than the other one like these books are starting to get a bit shorter typically they total up you know 120 pages plus this one's noticeably 118 pages so um let's just kind of go through the things that happen in the story so for another summer gabe's parents are sending him back to egypt why i have no idea like (laughs) i'm sure that at some point like Uncle Ben would have said, hey, like we almost lost our lives exploring because of other people like having these other agendas. Um, one, not wanting the tomb to be disturbed and then getting carried away by actual mummies. But that, for whatever reason, that doesn't come up. It's really cool how Gabe describes his plane ride um, because he talks about how the stewardess talks to him like an adult and is very nice to him. And you get. A difference between Gabe at 12 and Gabe at 13 because he acknowledges that women are attractive. Like he's starting to find them attractive and notice things about them, which, you know, is a typical change once you kind of hit those teenage years. So gets to Egypt um, and he grabs his summoner from the first story, something that he bought like at, you know, some kiosk or whatever. Um, while he was in Egypt, it was said to be magic. He didn't believe it, but it actually did control the mummies in a tomb to where they weren't attacked and the guy pursuing them was attacked. Um, so it's his good luck charm. 
and as it should be, it literally saved his life. Like, so you understand why he keeps it so close. As he's landing, as he grips the summoner, he notices that it's cold and he sees it as like a sign of bad things to come. So gets to the airport, looks around, sees a guy that he thinks is, an, is his Uncle Ben, was not Uncle Ben. Um, so you kind of get this idea of um, people kind of resembling, you know, one another early on, like in that area, because Gabe, um, even though Gabe is of Egyptian descent, does not spend a lot of time in Egypt. So he's not used to seeing people like of that ethnicity and of that culture, specifically with the dress getting confused. Um, and so it causes some confusion early on, which let's let's sorry, make fun of him. So. Gets picked up from the airport and they kind of go straight to the dig site, whereas they stayed in a really nice hotel in the first story. In this one, they acknowledge that, hey, look at our hotel this time. And it's literally them in tents near the dig site. So he actually gives Gabe a necklace when he sees him. And it's a pendant with a scarab in amber. Um, and so, you know, if you think like Jurassic Park, how the whole story was, they had like frogs and stuff that were stuck in amber. Like there's your visual, but like a scarab beetle that is trapped inside of amber that was turned into jewelry. And they say early in the story that uh, Gabe's Uncle Ben tells him that the bite of a scarab would mean instant death. You know, whereas like a, a, a trap scarab means life. Being bit by one means death. That night. Gabe seems to think that he felt the scarab moving around within the necklace, but, you know, can't really confirm that at any point. So the next day, Ben is explaining to the kids that this pyramid that they're that they're going to excavate was supposed to belong to a prince named Koru, who was supposed to be one of King Tut's relatives. As they're headed into the pyramid to explore. A woman comes running up. She introduces herself, um, says she's Nyle, uh, Nyla Ramad, and that she's a reporter. And she's like, please, you got to let me go in with you. And Uncle Ben is like, OK, you know, cool, whatever. So this is another point where we see Gabe acknowledge like how attractive she's it, how attractive she is. He's like, you know, her skin tone. She has the, the most amazing green eyes. Like she's so petite. Like these are all ways he describes her. So, again, like that jump from 12 to 13 causes you to, you know, think about things and people in a bit of a different way. So she's also wearing a necklace made of amber. The difference with her necklace is. There's no beetle inside of it, you know, which he notices. So they go in and Gabe, like the first book, becomes separated from everybody and falls into a hole. He notices there are white spiders everywhere. And as they start to reach him, he feels a snake touch him. And then he comes to his senses like kids doing R.L. Stein books. And he notices that it's not a snake, it's a rope. And so they end up actually pulling him up from the hole that he fell into. So all is well that ends well. First thing he checks before he checks like his own bones is the summoner to make sure it's not broken. Because, again, he sees it as a good luck charm. And I actually say Neela. I think Neela is how we're going to pronounce it. She notices the hand and she's like, yeah, no, that's cool. Like, I know a lot of things about ancient Egypt. So we're done exploring for the day. 
Dr. Ben says that they discovered the entrance to the actual tomb in the pyramid. You know, the tomb where they bury whatever royalty, where you find all the good stuff from the actual mummies to the treasures and trinkets and, you know, dead cats or whatever. So on the entrance to the tomb, they have a message that says, let me rest in peace. And this is where Dr. Fielding shows up and says that they don't go in so they don't violate what the prince wants. Dr. Fielding is Uncle Ben's partner, and he does not like Dr. Fielding at all. He feels like his motivations are to become rich and famous, not to actually solve the science and the history of it all. And so Ben kind of questions him all throughout the story and says multiple times, like, I don't trust him. So... Uncle Ben's straight with him. He's like, yo, I understand that this isn't what you want. I need you to understand you can leave because this is important to history. Like, this is important to the world that we find out what's going on. His privacy be damned. We need to know what's happening. So he's like, yo, okay, you're going to do what you're going to do? Cool. Um, so they enter the tomb, and when they get inside, there's nothing. And, you know, Sari has actually, you know, intimated to Gabe that, yo, it's been a while since my dad's found anything. If this doesn't work out for him, I feel like he's going to be so disappointed. It might actually break him. Um, and so they go into the tomb and nothing's there. And sorry, expects him to be super hurt. And he's like, yo, this is the best thing that could have happened. She's like, what you mean? He's like, yo, the fact that there's nothing in this room means that it's leading to a larger room. So he's like super excited now. Um, so they actually do go into the next room, um, take some hours to get in and they find treasure, the sarcophagus, everything like, yo, they, they've made it. They're rich and famous now. So Dr. Fielding shows up again and he has a team of police officers and he says he brought them to protect the tomb. So you feel this tension between both Uncle Ben's party and between Dr. Fielding's party. And you're like, when is this going to come to a head? So, you know, he's talking about this distrust and they have dinner with the three of them. So Uncle Ben, Gabe, sorry, and Neela. So as they're talking, somehow it comes up that there are ancient words that you can use to bring the mummy to life. And Neela says, Yo, what are the words you have to say uh, six times in order for it to happen? And he says the words. So they're getting like super touchy feely and flirty to the point where Sari acknowledges it. And she's like, do you think Neela likes my dad? And Gabe's like, yeah, like I think there is something there. So. Uncle Ben gets a phone call. So he goes to take it and Neela decides to leave as well. And Gabe actually says the words five times to scare Sari. But, you know, nothing happens. So it's at this point that Dr. Fielding meets the kids and he's looking for Uncle Ben. And he can't find him. So Dr. Fielding rushes off to meet him and they see him and Uncle Ben go into the pyramid. Dr. Fielding comes out and Uncle Ben does not come out. Sari is super nervous. She's yelling at Dr. Fielding, who does not acknowledge her. So the kids 
take it upon themselves. These are kids with agency. These are kids who have technically been through something like this before. They say, forget it. Grab their flashlights. Go into the pyramid. They get all the way to the tomb and they find Sari's dad, Uncle Ben, trapped inside a sarcophagus, knocked out. They do acknowledge he's still breathing, but he's knocked out. So the kids are like, yo, where's the mummy? What happened? The mummy is alive and starts walking toward them. The kids are able to move past the mummy because mummies are notoriously slow. As they're trying to exit, they run into Neela. They notice that she has Gabe's summoner. And she starts moving it. She calls to the mummy and she says, my brother, my brother, come to me so we can once again rule all of Egypt. And Neela thanks Gabe for bringing the summoner because the ancient words probably would not have worked if she didn't have it. And she asked the mummy to destroy the kids and the mummy starts coming toward them. So kids are going to die, right? That's a wrap. As the mummy moves towards them, he goes right past the kids and to Neela. And so what gets circled back? The seal from the mummy's tomb saying, let me rest in peace. So she does like the wild exposition. So what happens is um, she dropped the summoner. And Gabe picks it up. So Neela just tried to get the mummy to kill the kids, right? As the mummy grabs Neela and starts to choke her, Gabe tries to save her. So like still like pure of heart, still does not want her to die. In the scuffle, he actually rips off the pendant that was around her neck and it falls. So she actually starts to collapse, saying that the pendant is why she was alive so long. So whereas Gabe's pendant actually had the uh, scarab beetle in it. Every night she would transform into a scarab beetle and live inside the amber. And that's what would preserve her every night for three thousand years. So she's been planning and planning and waiting and waiting to the point where they could get into the tomb so she could resurrect her brother so that they could take over Egypt. Turns out he didn't want to wake up. He was good being asleep. So. As she tries to grab her pendant, which is now broken, she turns back into a beetle. This is where Uncle Ben comes back to life and the mummy just collapses lifeless. So his only goal was to stop the person who wanted to disturb his rest, not actually hurt anybody in general who just might happen to be passing by. So he didn't care about the riches. He didn't care about his tomb. He just wanted to rest. So this is when you find out just how smart these archaeologists are. So even though Dr. Assad and Dr. Fielding didn't have, you know, all of the same goals and ideals, they have been suspecting Neela the whole time. Um, they, they actually reached out to basically every news outlet. Nobody had ever heard of her being a journalist there. So this is where Dr. Fielding actually called those police to be around just in case something jumped off. What really ticked, uh, tipped off Uncle Ben was that she knew that the ancient words needed to be said six times and he had never volunteered that information to anybody. And it wasn't common knowledge outside of people who had read the tomb. So 
basically, they ran a play on her. And they had her all found out. Again, Uncle Ben knows that the mummy was alive, <laughs> knows that she was 3,000 years old, but not in, not in uh, information that he wants to volunteer to people outside because they would think he was crazy. So he told the cops that she escaped and that the mummy had never walked because why would a mummy walk? So Gabe finally has one up on sorry. I was the brave one. I'm the one that tried to fight the mummy off. I'm the one that tried to save Neela. So he's gloating about breaking the pendant and turning it into a scarab, but also about saving her life. And then Sari, who cannot afford to lose, who can't stand to lose, she warns him that Neela might still be looking for him, but as a beetle. And as Gabe goes to bed that night and is about to go to sleep, he cries out because something bit him. So we're to believe that Neela as a scarab beetle tried to kill Gabe. Um, so, yeah, like I, this one was actually really fun um, in that, you know, it was way more character development than it was the actual sights and sounds and experiences of Egypt, like the first book. But I think that's cool. Like you set all that up in the first story. You acknowledge that this is a sequel to that and you make this one much more character driven. Again, I love the relationship between Sari and Gabe. Um Uncle Ben being the responsible adult like when he can is really cool. And then everybody's motivations for, for what they did. Specifically, Neela wanted to take over Egypt. The prince just wanting to be left alone. And Uncle Ben wanting to preserve his career by not telling people the truth about all this magic mumbo jumbo. Like having to keep that aside. So, yeah. Um, another fun story. Glad I got to do one of these on Halloween week. Um, last uh, two weeks ago, story now was Ghost Beach. Next week is going to be one that's a personal favorite to me. Um, you know, young thespian acting Cam must have read this story a hundred times. Next week is going to be Phantom of the Auditorium. So, yeah, um, it's been The Goose Down, the story where I review each and every one of the books in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebump series. Um, the agenda for this week. Monday, we did South Congress number 86. Tuesday, we dropped Demon Dust Podcast number three. Today is going to be the Goose Down. And also, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is going to be just my name, Cameron Hawkins, or um, if you follow me on Instagram, so it's Seahawk, C-E-E-H-A-W-K, um, you can actually see the video version of this week's South Congress podcast with myself and my co-host Peanut. Um, and then Thursday is going to be the next episode, episode four of What's the Fun in That, hosted by my man Quincy. Thank you guys for being a part of the South Congress Podcast Network. If you enjoy this show or any of our other shows on whatever podcast platform you listen to, please jump on that and give us a five-star review. So yeah, once again, my name is Cameron Hawkins, host of the South Congress Podcast, producer of the South Congress Podcast Network, and your host for the Goose Down. Everybody have a happy and safe Halloween, and we'll talk to you next time. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comment, show, or movie discuss? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.